Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? A good morning to you. It is uh, April 2nd, home opener, Pittsburgh Pirates today. Uh, undefeated Pittsburgh Pirates, I want to say. <laughs> I don't know how much, how many more times I'll be able to say that, but... Uh, Anyway, sounds good for a little bit. Uh, happy for him. And, uh, okay, <laughs> we're, uh, we're just going to jump right in. Um, we do have a guest joining us uh, a little bit later. Uh, she is the chair of an uh, organization <sighs> doing incredible work and uh, we will wish her well uh she is the chair of fair districts pennsylvania uh, an organization uh, that is trying to wrest control of redistricting from uh politicians and instead uh, put it in the hands of a commission made up in part of politicians, but equal representation of both major parties and and then just ordinary citizens. So uh, we got to uh, hear what she's up to, and you have to find out uh, what you can do to uh, help this effort, because uh, I think we, we are living now with the uh, result of partisan uh, redistricting. And uh, it has not been pretty, and it has not been uh, democratic in in any way. Okay, uh, first up, a little bit of a rant. One of my things that drives me crazy, it's a word. It shouldn't be a word. It's a word I hear over and over again. And uh, it's written in news stories. It's and And I don't understand how anyone can think for a minute that this word makes any sense. Um, this was in a story about Laura Ingram, by the way, uh, taking a uh, all-of-a-sudden vacation. <laughs> Seems like uh, a few other folks at Fox did that and then never came back. Uh, but it said in the article I was reading that uh, Fox News insists that Laura Ingram's uh, vacation uh, was not some spontaneous thing but uh, was, in fact, pre-planned. That's my, my word that drives me nuts. Pre-planned. Think about that. What does the word planned mean? <laughs> eh? It may, if something is planned, it means that action was taken uh, in advance of uh, whatever is being planned, right? In other words, pre-whatever is being planned. The whole idea, the concept of plan, making a plan, is, of course, that it comes before. So pre-planned? What the hell does that mean? I, I there, there, there's such a lack of 
I'm sorry. I know this is just something most people would not give two hoots about, and certainly if it was pointed out to them, they would not get bent out of shape, but I think it bespeaks a certain laziness of thought, and the fact that it appears consistently and written in uh, legitimate news publications uh, and written by then people who supposedly know about words. <laughs> I mean, if you're a journalist, I think you traffic in them. And so you should have some not only understanding of words, but allow me to say a reverence. Yes, a reverence for words. Pre-planned is BS. It makes no sense. I don't understand. You have a perfectly good word, planned. No reason to make it bigger. It doesn't change anything except suggest that whoever is using it is an idiot. Okay? There. I've had my say. <sighs> the other thing that's uh, on my mind, and I'm glad. I'm glad this is finally uh, getting out there um, in a way that got everybody's attention. It's something I've been trying to get people's attention to for years, <laughs> to little avail. <laughs> and that is the threat posed by Sinclair Broadcasting. Um, anyone who listens to the show religiously will know that I have more than once uh, talked about Sinclair Broadcasting and the threat it poses to our democracy, to our idea of a, uh, literally a free press. Um, and those of you who know will be happy to hear that, um, who, what am I saying? I know there's a caller on the line, but I'm, I'm just starting a subject up guy, whoever you are, and um, I need to, it's not our call. It's not our, no, okay. So I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to do a, I'm not going to take you for, until I get this out of my system here. Sinclair Broadcasting is the largest growing uh, corporation uh, in ownership of local television stations. Um, they are poised right now to become way bigger by picking up all of the stations now held by Tribune Media. Uh, the flagship station of which is WGN in Chicago. Uh, Tribune, I mean Sinclair, poses <laughs> as a owner of television stations, but what it really is is a political propaganda outfit. And um, over the weekend, I believe, Someone, and I wish I could give him a hug, someone did some serious work and put together about a two-minute bit collecting video from Sinclair television stations around the country. Uh, the video shows all of these local anchors, you know, very all of them 
all of them looking like those trustworthy folks that people, you know, tune to for their news. And they were all reciting the exact same words. Although there was a space where they inserted their own city. So, and that is why we care about the citizens of, insert your city, of Pittsburgh. We are part of your community. And this was a pre-planned, <laughs> this was a script that was sent down from corporate headquarters, Sinclair, in which all of their anchors were made to read this script about, essentially about fake news and about how the viewers should trust them. And this mashup of all of these sincere, earnest-looking, trust-me, local anchors, all robotically spouting the same words, is such a wondrous send-up of the duplicity that is Sinclair Television. Anchors there have no choice. Producers of news show there have no choice but to regularly show uh, pieces that come down from corporate uh, headquarters that are all about making sure their viewers mistrust most media and only trust what they are saying, that they love Donald Trump and mistrust all. It is mind-blowing what Sinclair is up to and it believe me is more insidious than Fox News Network because people tend to trust their local anchors more they might bump into them at the grocery store the news they proffer is news about their neighbors and so these poor folks and I feel for them uh, who got hired up by a Sinclair station, find themselves unwittingly not working for a news operation, but rather working for something that Vladimir Putin would, uh, would smile at and understand, because it is a propaganda, political propaganda outfit. And I'm just thrilled that they are being unmasked on a large scale right now uh, because me squawking about him for the last few years hasn't done a damn thing <laughs> but why would it so that's the good news that's the good news uh, in regard to Sinclair uh, it is basically a political empire that is made up of local television stations understand that there's it's a different business model it's different. They have no real desire to uh, do what most TV stations do. They see their acquisition of these stations as uh, a power grab, a way into the hearts, the minds, the homes of Americans who they intend to propagandize. It is really frightening. That is Sinclair Broadcasting, and I hate to tell you that the Trump appointed head of the FCC, which oversees uh, TV, uh, 
is a great friend of the head of Sinclair Broadcasting. So Sinclair has no impediments other than we the people at this point. So the more you can spread the word and uh, join any effort to uh, clip their wings, uh, that would be good. And uh, speaking of uh, citizen effort to change things, uh, I do want to introduce our, our guest today. Uh, this is a citizen who, uh, unlike me, uh, does more than rant about uh, things she sees as wrong. Uh, she takes action. And uh, Carol Cunnaholm, rather than me blathering on about what she's up to, I'm just going to invite her in. She is the chair of Fair Districts, Pennsylvania. Uh, Carol, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for Thanks joining for me. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. How, how, first of all, I mean, have you guys come out of the blue or have you been toiling in the trenches unbeknownst to most of us for uh, years? Well, so the Fair Districts PA started in January 2016, but the organizations behind Fair Districts PA have been toiling in the trenches for decades. So League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania uh -huh. and Common Cause PA were the two convening organizations. They've both been working on redistricting reform since 1991 is the earliest I can track. Um, they gave testimony to our Pennsylvania Legislative Redistricting Commission in 1991 saying, please draw maps that honor our state constitution. And that didn't happen. And so they've been working really for over a quarter of a century saying, you're ignoring the constitutional requirements that districts be compact and contiguous and not split communities. And, um, and it gets worse every, every time the lines are redrawn because we have new technology that allows them to be done more uh, deviously. And you know, so, you can, you, one can uh, imagine, Carol, I'm just thinking, we're talking about the new technology. You can actually see a district in the future, if no change happens, in which in which a line goes through somebody's house just to skirt the fact that, that the wife votes one way and the husband votes the other or something Pretty like that. Pretty close to that now. I mean, there are apartment <laughs> complexes that are split right down the middle. Um, college campuses are a great one. They, they do wonderful work splitting college campuses. Um, so it's gotten worse and worse. So in 20, January 2016, we said, unless we really focus attention on this and get people to understand how this undermines everything that we're trying to do, um, we will never change it. So we, we decided to just make it a, you know, one issue focal point and throw everything we had on trying to get people to understand it because if, if citizens don't advocate for change, the leadership will certainly never give up the power to draw the maps. Exactly. Now, the thing is, I mean, this is so basic to our democracy because... Uh, I saw somebody who said, they put it so beautifully, what this kind of political di redistricting does, political drawing of, uh, of congressional lines does, is allow the politicians to essentially choose their voters as opposed to what obviously we learned in civics class, which is a democracy is about citizens choosing the politicians 
And what they've done is absolutely flipped flipped it on its head. So th- and, and and in the process have destroyed the the cardinal principle of you know one person one uh, you know one vote. Some votes don't count anymore or barely and some count more than they should. It really right. has undermined our democracy. It has completely undermined our democracy. And and it goes beyond just which party wins or which person right. wins. If you look at our state legislative redistricting process, there's really five people who draw the map for our state Senate and state House. So those five people become very powerful, and they can draw it to keep their friends in office, and they can draw it to, uh, to, to X off, is how they describe it, X off the people who work for reform. So if you look at the, there were only three seats that changed in our last legislative redistricting, and those all were people who were strong advocates for reform. So both parties are happy to say, oh, let's just step back and let them be, let them disappear um, and keep in place those who do as they're told, those who vote the way we want them to. And that, that puts a great deal of power in very few hands. So it's not even just that all of our legislators um, have a say. Many of them don't have a say in this, um, and many of them would love to see it change. It's, a, it's really a handful of people in power who um, control the agenda completely by controlling the way the maps are drawn. Uh, let's get to the constitutional basis for all this. First, the U.S. Constitution, where does it come in in this? Well, the U.S. Constitution gives the, the one person, one vote requirement, um, and also that, that we you know, have equal voice, equal protections under the law. Um, this, the U.S. Constitution, though, gives the right to draw maps to the states, and that's why the federal the U.S. courts have been a little reluctant to intervene on partisan redistricting. To date, they have never intervened on a partisan redistricting question. The last, the last time before this last round was in 2006, Reese versus Jubilee, here in Pennsylvania, where there was an appeal that went to the Supreme Court. The court was divided. Four said, it's not an issue, we're not looking at it. Four said, it's a huge problem, we need to do something. And then Justice Kennedy was the swing vote, and he said, gerrymandering is a problem. We don't have a way to measure it. And until we have a way to measure it, we, we can't address it in the courts. So, so this last round of cases, uh, there's a case in Wisconsin, uh, Gil v. Whitford, um, basically introduced a way to measure gerrymandering. And they introduced something called the efficiency gap. And according to the efficiency gap, Pennsylvania's district maps, our congressional district maps, were the worst. Um, far worse than the case in in Wisconsin. Um, what happened is the is the League of Women Voters, Public Interest Law Center, and some other allies of ours sat down and looked at the Wisconsin case, looked at the um, the efficiency gap testing model, and said we're the worst. And if we wait for the Supreme Court, who knows what they'll do? We actually have better protections in our state constitution. We have protections for free and equal elections, and we also have good protections for viewpoint discrimination. In other words, you can't be discriminated against because your viewpoint doesn't line up with those in leadership. They can't find ways to make your voice less heard than the voices of others. Oh, they can't? (laughs) But they have been doing exactly that. Oh, they have been doing that very much, absolutely. So so the the lawsuit that was brought, um, the Public Interest Law Center, League Law, uh, that lawsuit addressed 
those two issues, the free and equal elections and viewpoint discrimination, and was successful, right. which is why we now have a new map in place for our next congressional races. I want, I want to, I, this is, you know, some people, their eyes roll back. We're going to talk about redistricting. It is so essential. This is this is where it. I mean, if we don't fix this, there ain't no fixing much of anything. Um, exactly. One of the things that I don't think people, you know, we we now talk about how we are such a polarized country. Uh, you know, Democrats have gone off to this end, and the Republicans have gone off to that. One of the things driving it is the gerrymandering of districts, so that. A district is just known to be, let's say, a Republican district. And so the general election is is meaningless. You know the Republican's going to win. So the election that's important is the primary election. And that is where you hear the phrase, oh, they're afraid of being primaried. That means that, let's say, a conservative Republican gets outflanked on her or his right by an even more conservative Republican. And that is, what, that is what's been happening, so that voices of moderation in both parties tend to get obliterated in this kind of a gerrymandered system. Exactly. You've put it very clearly, yep. And so this, so that it, it, people think, oh well, this is just, you know, this is just about. It's a wonky topic. It's hard to, it's hard to get your head around. But once you look at it, you realize this is driving partisanship. It's driving divisiveness. But it's also driving policies that are completely unresponsive to people. So, for instance, um, you could say there's 95% of of Pennsylvanians, and this is the last poll that that adamantly support universal background checks without loopholes 95 percent 95 percent 95 percent and yet and yet when you when you try to take that up in the legislature it's just ignored um and and they'll say oh we've got we've got background checks in place they do but there's there's loopholes which have not been addressed and and there's other there's other policy issues that you can find a large majority of pennsylvanians say you know we agree on this issue and then when that issue comes into play in the legislature, it's shut down by a handful of voices who control, especially in the House. The House has become pretty hijacked by very partisan um, partisan leadership, which just shuts, shuts down things that, that have been agreed to by others in the legislature and others in leadership. So, for instance, the last budget round, the governor and the Senate had worked through a, a reasonable compromise that included a, a shale gas tax, we're the only state that does not have one. A majority of Pennsylvanians, by poll, say we should have one. Um, but the leadership in the House just says, absolutely not. It's not going to be heard. It's not going to be voted on. It's not happening. And just shuts the whole thing down. And they're able to do that because, because of the way gerrymandering allows seniority to be held in place in a way that closes out any the, kind of Right. Discussion. So they can do this, flout the will of the people, because they have rigged the election map so that they can't be touched. They right. the only thing we can do if you're unha- when we're unhappy with uh, with our legislators would be to vote them out. But they've pretty much made that almost impossible in a lot of a lot of cases, maybe even the majority of right. cases. So this is a <laughs> it's it's a rigged system. So what is your what is 
Fair Districts PA, what's your remedy? Our remedy is an independent citizens redistricting commission. In California, we just last week had three California commissioners visiting us to talk about their experience. They created an independent citizens redistricting commission. It's citizens from across political parties, um, and they are selected through a, a process that assures that they are not connected to public officials or lobbyists. They, they have no they have no personal stake in how the lines are drawn. They just want them drawn fairly. And and though that commission held public meetings, invited input from across the state, and drew new lines, and had an in, incredible impact on how competitive the races there were. In the years before that, I think they had had five seats change in legislative races across a period of cycles. I think it was three electoral cycles. Only five seats had changed. And then the election following their new map, they had huge turnover. They had they had congressmen who just chose not to run again because they had never run in a congressional in, <laughs> in a real race, district. And they didn't want to face that. Yeah. And then in their legislative races, they had huge turnover as well. As people realized, ooh, in these maps, I actually would have to listen to my people. And I've spent so many years not listening to them. It's probably not going to work. I mean, we're seeing that here here in Pennsylvania just but we have I think it's six congress congressmen now have chosen not to run again. Is it that is it that much? Wow. wow. I believe it is. And and in large part because of the new maps. There are people who have been in office a long time have pretty blatantly ignored their constituents and now are realizing they don't stand a chance in running against wow. um running in a competitive election so it's just not going to happen so, um, so so this is about taking so we are we yeah. are supporting two bills house bill 722 senate bill 22 which would create an independent citizens redistricting commission uh there would be pools of candidates from both major parties and then a pool from third party unaffiliated they would not be allowed to be people who have a stake in the partisan game that we have going on they couldn't be elected officials or a party paid party officials or or, or related lobbyists. to party officials or, or related yep um, for the past five years before and then five years after and they would have to everything that they did would have to be transparent so all the data they would not be allowed to use partisan data they wouldn't be allowed to use the information about how people vote wow. um, they would just simply be allowed to use the census information and simple maps they couldn't decide you know this is this incumbent's district they couldn't have that kind of information wow. so they would be drawing a map that just reflect what the communities asked them to do to say please don't divide you know erie into multiple pieces please you know keep pittsburgh more intact than it currently is um, communities would be able to offer input and then they'd have to respect the constitution which would be to have districts that are compact contiguous and the least division possible of counties and communities, municipalities. Right now, our counties and municipalities are shredded. They're just sliced up into little bits to um, to control and to predict the way that the elections are done. That would not be allowed. I mean, who who can comfortably uh, stand opposed to what to, to what this is? I mean, this is. Um, I got a name. I, I wait. I got a name because he is the bugaboo in so many instances of things not moving along, and he's from around these parts. Well, in the in the Senate, we actually had a hearing last week that went very well. We were quite pleased. We're hopeful that the Senate is going to move forward on this. Um, the yeah, House but the House, Daryl Daryl Metcalf, Daryl Metcalf, and Mike Terzai. 
Yeah. Um, Daryl Metcalf has said he's the his um, committee, the the bill that we support, House Bill 722, is in the House State Government Committee. Daryl Metcalf is the chair. That that bill has the most co-sponsors of any bill introduced in this session, 110 co-sponsors. Daryl Metcalf has said, I'm not interested. That bill is not going to be given a hearing. How um, da- You know, how dare he? How dare he? How dare he? Exactly. How dare he? Um, his constituency has one constituent who has gone to his office in person 25 times now to ask for a meeting with him or to have the bill be given a hearing. She has never received a response from his office, 25 times that she's gone to his office. I've gone to his office in Harrisburg personally three times. I've emailed him three times. I have never gotten any response from him. But when colleagues have asked, he has said, I'm not interested. And when the press has asked, he has said, I'm not interested. I, and as what we say is you were not elected to be interested. You were elected to represent, to facilitate a yeah. committee, yeah. and this is a bill that has, you know, support from across the state, and and his the prime sponsors of this bill have written him, they wrote him to ask for a hearing. He did not respond to his colleague's letter asking for a hearing. That's just un it's unprecedented, uh, just disrespect for the process, for the colleagues, for representative government. It's outrageous. And, and so then you have to turn to the speaker, Mike Terzai, and say he actually was running on a campaign of strong leadership for reform, and he has been completely silent on this issue. He has not responded to press. He has not responded to constituents. He has not responded to colleagues. I've personally emailed him three times to say we have more support on this than on any other bill in the session. Um, what will you do about it? He has not responded. He has been completely silent. Um, on this topic, and to me, that's not leadership. He's hiding, um, and and as the speaker, he, it's his job to make sure that committee chairs do their job, and he has said nothing. Okay, both those both those uh, despicable characters are from uh, these parts. Um, what can I mean? Obviously, they've got to feel more heat. I mean, Metcalf is is impervious to any anything. He is. Uh, to me, I, 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 he's he simply is a, a dictator. I mean, he's got power, and it's all about him. He makes Trump look like a, you know. I'm sorry. I'm, I know you don't want to politicize anything. So, um, I, what can we do? I mean, you want us to start calling Terzai and Metcalf? We got to get that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if any of your listeners are constituents of either of these two people, it would be wonderful if they would stop by their offices and say, I'm a constituent, I'll be voting on this issue, I will be encouraging my neighbors to vote on this issue, I will be encouraging my church to vote on this issue, I will be encouraging every person I know to vote on this issue, and this is unacceptable. It's inexcusable, um, doesn't matter what party you're from, this is not what representative government looks like. Uh, absolutely any... Any pressure, I mean, and we will be doing everything we can to make this an election issue, and I know that both of them are facing competitors, not in the primary, but in the general election, and we will encourage everybody, take a look. Is this a person you want (laughs) representing you in Harrisburg? Yeah, but they're both in... They don't don't represent anybody except special interests and their own... own, Right. uh, They're they're not representing people, that's for sure. that's, That's absolutely right, but there's an election coming up, but they're running in districts that they have t- 
totally rigged so that no one can take them out. Well, the very, very interesting thing, and this is a message that anybody should be making to them and to the press, letters to the, letters to the editor are wonderful, um, this will be a different kind of election because, number one, they're both in districts that are demographically shifting. And, you know, we, they, they might have drawn them safely back in 2011, but populations are shifting. They're becoming more diverse. And also this is an election where people who in the past felt very um, disempowered and didn't bother to vote, they're saying we can't afford to be disempowered any longer. We have to vote. And so I know in my own county, Chester County, we had um, four countywide offices that had been Republican um, for 200 years. Huh. And those four offices went to Democratic women wow. um, in the fall election last year for the, the Democrats for the first time since 1791. Ah. Um, so that's a huge turnover. And to women, all four went to women. There's a huge shift going on, and there are lots of lots of women across the state saying, you know, I haven't paid much attention. I was not really interested. I felt completely, you know, disempowered and didn't bother to pay attention. And now people are saying. We can't afford to do that. We have to vote. We have to pay attention. We have to know who these people are, what they stand for. And people like this, we need to vote out of office. So I, I, would, I would suggest to both Speaker Terzai and Representative Metcalf, they might feel safe, but they are no longer safe. And it's really important that people come out and vote and that they know who they're, who they're voting for and that they send a strong message to people who have ignored voters that that's not acceptable. And we will we will return to a responsive government. It might take a while. It might be hard work, um, but that's what we're working towards. And, and what I tell people is until this changes, nothing changes. Until that's we right. have a responsive government, you know, we can march, we can lobby, we can advocate, we can have opinions on a huge number of issues. Until we have a responsive government, nothing will change. So we're having a rally in Harrisburg on April 16th. We're encouraging people from across the state to show up and to say, this has to change. We want a responsive government. We want these bills to be heard and enacted, and we're going to make noise and pay attention and study and advocate. Uh, we can't afford to sit back and hope somebody else will do it any longer. We have to get involved. Well, I'm thinking, you know, we had a thing here uh, Mondays uh, with Murphy where his constituents, this is the former congressman uh, who's, who then begot Connor Lamb after he resigned? Um, people picketed his office every every Monday. I'm thinking maybe that those we need to do something similar with Metcalf Mondays with Metcalf and have just keep on calling him out and drawing attention uh, to this. That might be that might Absolutely. be helpful. Absolutely, Mondays with Metcalf would be wonderful, and Tuesdays with Terzai would be terrific. <laughs> yep. I All right, it, guys. It, it, it has to be. There has to be that kind of public attention, public That's right. calling out of of this kind of complete inattention to voters and constituents, and and really both of them. It's not just their constituents any longer. They're supposed to be representing the people of Pennsylvania, and they are not doing that. And that's just not. It's not acceptable. Okay, so if anybody um, out there is in either of these districts, how about how about it? Get some folks together, and uh, get this organized. I'm talking especially to the women out there because this uh, women seem to be driving a lot of this, a, a lot of this desire to clean things up. Um, but you know what, Car I, I, 
here's the here's the frightening part. So even if we get it out of committee, even if it gets voted on, it's not like that changes anything. Because in order to change how we redistrict, in order to have this independent commission, we have to amend. This is an am amendment to the Constitution of the Commonwealth, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so how? And that's why it has to be done now um, to have it in place for the next. So the next census starts in 2010. The next redistricting process is in 2011. No, it no, has no. To 20 be in place for the next. 2020 process has to go. What? Oh, I think you said. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I get, I do that badly. Um, 2020 is the next census. 2021 is the next redistricting process. Right. To have this in place. It has to go through the legislative process twice, and then it has to go to public referendum by 2021. So we have a deadline for this partic these particular bills. They have to be passed in both houses by the beginning of July this year. So we've got a couple of months. So we're working very hard. Uh, we've got a couple of months to call attention to it, to get them moved, and, and to make clear to the, to the leadership in both houses, this will be an election issue in, in, in the fall. And, and these need to move very, very quickly. Now, I have to say, if that doesn't happen, all is not lost. We have some other bills that we're, we're looking at to push forward, and we would continue on this, on this amendment so that it would be in place in the future. But, but the last redistricting was very bad um, for both congressional districts and state legislative districts. We can't afford to have that happen again. And, and part of this is going to be just keeping public attention on it to say, don't you dare try. Don't you dare try. We know that the Supreme Court right now is sympathetic to the idea of fair districts. And so there would be lawsuits if they try again to do what they did in the last time. You know, so this is a many-layered effort, and it requires yeah. a lot of informed and attentive citizens. Um, so, so, yes, we're pushing these two bills, but there are other pieces that will be part of this, calling attention to it. And, and, and we have to say we do think there will be some changes in Harrisburg as a result of the upcoming elections. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of interest. Um, many people, many competitors are running on this issue. I, I've heard from people saying, this will be my top issue Wonderful. in running for office. Um, and we're hoping to make it a, a major election issue. And to say, if, if you're running for office and you're not supportive of fair districts, then why should anybody vote for you? Basically, you're advertising that you have no interest in representing the people of Pennsylvania. Why would we vote for you? Exactly. So we're doing everything we can to make this a key issue. Let me just say a word about women. Um, if you look at Pennsylvania's um, women in legislative office, oh. we have an F rate. I know. Grade. We are among the worst in the, in the country. Yeah. And you have to see a correlation between extreme gerrymandering and locking out new voices. If, if the lines are drawn by an old guys club, which it is, behind closed doors, for their friends, for people like them, for people who are their buddies, that's going to lock out any attempt to include people of, of diversity or, or women. And, and that's what we see. The lines are drawn to keep the old guys, in, not yep. old, some of them are not that old, but to keep the, the, the same club in place. Right. And if you want to open it up to new voices, to new perspectives, and to women, you've got to have the districts drawn fairly in a way that allows real competition. And, and right now that's not done, so we, we are an F. We are one of the worst. And, and we have a lot of women saying, that's not okay. We're, we're going nice. to take you on. We're going to fight back. 
And we have to. We have to to make sure that voices are heard and to make sure that other priorities are, are, are entertained. When you look at the policies that are considered, there are, there are over 2,000 bills that have been introduced in the House in this session. And some of them are very important, things like lead, you know, addressing lead poisoning. Those bills don't get heard. They don't get voted on. The bills that get heard and voted on are things like um, things that are harmful and restrictive to the people of Pennsylvania. Our leadership pulls forward the bills that they like that have nothing to do with what's best for us. No. And, and that has to change. It's because the lobby, they do whatever the lobbyists uh, want yes. them to do, and our voice is absolutely uh, disre. Guarded. It has to stop, and the only way it stops is if we take action. Clearly, Daryl Metcalf has to go, and Mike Terzai uh, with him. They have to feel the pressure, and that's something that we can do. Also, uh, can we join your organization? What, what else can we do? Absolutely. So we have a, a website, um, fairdistrictspa.com. Take a look. Uh, we have a page that has maps. So zoom in and look at your maps and see what's going on. You can see how communities have been chopped into bits to, to control, predict the outcome of elections. We also are having, as I said, a rally on the 16th. Um, and if you, if you follow us on Facebook, um, you can find a lot of information. So we have a statewide Facebook page, Fair Districts PA. Uh, we also have local groups. We have um, local groups there in Allegheny County. Um, and Butler County, Beaver County. Um, so if you look for Fair Districts PA, you can find our state page. If you look for Fair Di Districts PA Allegheny, you can find the Allegheny Great. County page. Uh, there's, a, as I said, a Beaver page, Butler. Uh, we have events going on across the state almost every day. We have events somewhere, informational events. Uh, we also have a, um, a petition, which you could um, – we have a text-to number that I don't have handy, which is not good. Um, but I would say look at our website, and you can, yeah. you can find ways to uh, – we have a, a YouTube channel that has lots of video that explains things in great detail. Uh, so there's lots of ways to get involved, and there's lots of local groups. But start with our website, fairdistrictspa.com. It's a great – yeah, it's a great website. Right. Find us. Facebook or their website, it really is a wonderful site, easy to maneuver and filled with information. And uh, – we will post uh, uh, the links uh, there, too, on our Facebook uh, page as well. So, uh, Carol, I, I can't thank you enough for being the good citizen that you are and, uh, and taking on this job because, it, I mean, it's really about the, bed, it's the, the bedrock of our, of our representative government uh, has been absconded with, and we've got to... Take it back. That's it's, it's as Absolutely. basic as yep. this. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, guys, I, I know. God, I hope, I hope you realize the importance. And I hope those of you who maybe are in Beaver or Butler uh, that you... Uh, get involved with the program, and I really do like Mondays with Metcalf and uh, Tuesdays with Terzai. Um, I really, really like that because there's nothing, none of it, nothing else matters if at this very basic level 
we are having our votes essentially taken from us, our voices, through this cynical, despicable kind of politicized uh, redistricting intended only to keep the powerful in power and to shut out uh, other voices. It's as basic as that. And understand, this is a bipartisan effort. There are a lot of Republicans on board this one, too, because, you know, things change. Democrats get in, and they do the same kind of stuff. We got to take it out of the hands of politicians. Got to take it out so that we, the people. Uh, I remember my mother once saying, what happened to Wisconsin? Because I, I grew up there and she lived there most of her 95 years. And we were always so proud to live in this progressive state. And seemingly overnight, it turned into this Republican-controlled, conservative Republican state. And do you know, I think, you know, the answer, I never could quite answer. The answer is, Democrats, as usual, didn't pay any attention to those little races, and Republicans moved up from school boards into state assembly seats and state senate seats, and they took over and they redrew districts so that it became pretty much a solid Republican state. Now, interestingly, that's starting to crack. Uh, there is an election tomorrow in Wisconsin that bears watching. It's for the Supreme Court. And there are two special elections coming up in districts that were gerrymandered to keep the Republicans in power. But um, the Republicans are scared because they are seeing, again, the same kind of attention and spotlight so that for the first time in a long time, people who have been shut out are feeling there's a chance now to get some power back. And this is the way it's got to happen. This is it. Oh, okay, back to us. Uh, Roger says, pre-planned, how about free gift? That's another one. It's exactly the same. A free gift. Drives me crazy, too. Drives me crazy, too. What kind of a... How dumb do you have to be to say free gift? <laughs> Pre-planned, free gift. Uh, and Roger says, that makes me think of regardless and then irregardless. What's the difference? There is no difference. Regardless, somebody just felt the need to add a syllable. I don't know. I don't know how these things happen either. Um, I, I I don't get it. Oh, and Roger also says in regard to Sinclair Broadcasting. On my way to Breezewood this weekend, Christian radio stations dominate the airwaves in rural areas. And something, same thing happens on my way. Well, the minute you leave an urban uh, area, it happens. 
Um, I once said, you can drive from coast to coast in this country and hear nothing but Rush Limbaugh all the way, all the way. It's, that's just the way it is. So he says, on my way to Ohio job sites, it happens too, but at least there are NPR broadcasts uh, via Kent State or Youngstown State. Did you know Christian radio shows care about gun control and government takeover of our rights? Christian radio stations are, no, they're just firmly in the pocket of uh, the right wing. I mean, they're sticking, I mean, they're apps. I mean, all you have to do is look for their incredible, solid, rock-solid support of, of Donald Trump, the most unchristian being to ever, to ever be in the White House. I, I, I mean, you could have a Hindu president and he'd be more Christian or she'd be more Christian than Donald Trump. But I don't know. We have a call. Hi, caller. Hello. 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 Go ahead. How you doing? I'm fine. Hey, uh, Lynn, did you happen to see the, the commercial for the, it's called the Trumpy Bear? No. They're selling the bear now. Got a red tie and a suit on. It's called the Trumpy Bear. I couldn't believe it. Who's selling it? I don't know who the outfit is. It's one of those commercials they have on. Well, you know. You know like a, however, make money. That, I mean, there's yeah, I know. Make money but while you can. I, right. I wanted. You were talking about words earlier. I don't know. Maybe you can explain this word to me. I, I'm not no expert on it, but the word money. I never understood that word. Money? Monies. Monies. Oh, M-O-N-I-E-S. Why do you have to have that word? I don't know. Can monies... I hear like... I don't like know. Accountants that, use it. Yeah. Lawyers sometimes do. Maybe... I always thought, why don't you just say money? <laughs> well, maybe money su- suggests, you know, a dollar bill and change and stuff like that. And monies, M-O-N-I-E-S maybe suggests all manner of holding uh, value, like, you know, stock certificates and, uh, I don't know, and, it, and yeah. notes, bank notes. I, I, but I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm throwing out a guess there. I don't know. I okay. Really don't. Okay, thank that's you. Okay, that's okay, fine. We'll thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yep. Okay. I just want to, I had one more thing I wanted to say about uh, Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, They've been up to this kind of crap for a long time, but they never had the reach that they have now. As I said, they've been scarfing up stations in almost every market. They are huge in rural and uh, smaller town markets, but they're, they're absolutely getting into urban markets like, Taking it on WGN in Chicago would just be huge. Um, so Sinclair has owned stations for for a long time, and I want to bring you back to uh, presidential election: uh, John Kerry versus uh, George W. Bush, uh, the year 2004. And you may recall this, but a a gr- there was a documentary that came out called uh, Stolen Honor. And uh, it was 
be nice to go back and see who funded that one. But Stolen Honor was the one that pushed the idea that John Kerry was not a Vietnam War hero, that he was, in fact, almost akin to um, a traitor. Uh, it, it was so unbelievably devoid of, uh, of reality and facts, but it was a documentary. And a week or two before the presidential election, Sinclair Broadcasting, and understand, they buy stations that might be affiliates of ABC or NBC or CBS or Fox. So they're not, you know, their stations are, are all over the map in terms of what network affiliation they have. And Sinclair, a few weeks before the election, mandated that all of its stations run the documentary, the anti-carry documentary, Stolen Honor, in prime time. In other words, ordered them to knock off some network primetime program and stick up this documentary. Now, the fact that they would do that, first of all, it would enrage a lot of their viewers who might want to have watched the program they knocked off. It would enrage their viewers and it would cost them money. A lobbyist named Charlie Gruro owned the company that made the film. It was it was a hatchet job and it was you may recall I vaguely recall the stir it caused. But anybody who watched a Sinclair station when it was forced onto uh, their 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 stations all over the country, um, you know, would have seen that. TV stations owners don't like upsetting their viewers. That's one of the reasons that you know Sinclair is different than any other owner. They don't care because that's not who they're serving. They care only about being the political propaganda machine that they are. They feel the head of Sinclair sees these acquisitions and the fact that it gets him into the living rooms of, I believe now, a majority of Americans in terms of the markets they're in, or getting close. And he sees that as, uh, as a, a political thing. Not a, it's not a business thing. It's political. And there was a, a really good article written about this back in 2004. Maybe I'll try to find that, and maybe I can post that for you too, because it'll blow, you, blow your mind. Because um, Sinclair doesn't care about enraging some of their viewers. They care about propagandizing. When, during the Iraq War, the initial days, stages, months, years, 
uh, Nightline with Ted Koppel was still on the air. And Ted Koppel started doing something that I was doing as well, which was reading the names. At the end of his show, he would read the names of all of, not read them, or maybe they scrolled the names of our soldiers who had been killed. And I, I, I can't remember what it was called. It was something like a, something uh, honor roll or something. But he, they would scroll them. Sinclair's stations that were ABC stations that carried Nightline. If you watched uh, Nightline on a Sinclair station, you never saw the end of Nightline then. Because they pulled it off. They refused to allow this honor roll of, um, of those killed in the Iraq war because they saw it as a way to turn uh, the public against the war. And so they wouldn't allow it. This is not a normal owner. This is not a normal owner. So I just want to say, and, 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 and at the time people looked into it, there was not any other station anywhere in the country that did the same thing. But any Sinclair station that was affiliated with ABC, they did it because corporate told them to. So remember this, Sinclair, which is buying up stations even as we speak, is basically a political empire that is made up of local television stations. That is how you should view them. And that is why this thing that's all over social media now, that some wonderful person put together, <laughs> is the first, first attempt on a big scale to alert people of what Sinclair is really about. It's not American, what it's about. It has nothing to do with a free press. It has everything to It's the kind of thing that, you know, you would see truly in, a, in, in Russia. You know, remember that uh, Russians in the Soviet Union, the, the major uh, newspaper was called Pravda, which means truth, <laughs> when it was often anything but. That's sort of like Fox News. You know, we report, you decide, or fair and balanced. That, we are getting into territory here that is out of place in a representative democracy and out of place on the supposedly public airwaves that are supposedly, uh, you know, patrolled by the Federal Communications Commission. Unfortunately, under the Republicans, the FCC is doing the bidding of Sinclair Broadcasting. <sighs> Laura writes about that bear. <laughs> the bear the caller called about on the online two easy payments of 1995. And it's, it's a bear that looks like Trump or is for Trump? What is it? from exceptional products. And Laura just adds, uh, good Lord, it is ugly. <laughs> well, then I, I think I'm really happy that I, that I didn't see it. Okay, and quickly, Diane writes, hello, I wanted you to know 
that the video piece on Sinclair Broadcasting was on John Oliver's last week tonight on HBO last night. It was well done, and as usual, Oliver brought it down a notch. It was great to watch, but scary too. Yeah, it is scary. It is truly scary. And I, I think CNN had had it on as well. So whoever put that together has done a wonderful, wonderful thing. And somebody else should have done it long ago. This has been going on for a long time. A long, long time. God help us. Okay, tomorrow, uh, see ya on Tuesday. My sister will not be joining us. She is um, indisposed. Uh, she has other things to do. And uh, so it'll be just you and me tomorrow, and I'll look forward to it. See ya. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.